Hi everybody, welcome back to Popcorn Profile. Uh, I'm Sam, once again joined by Becca, to my left that you can't see, and Bruce to my right which you can't see. Um, and we are now coming up to the conclusion of our series focusing on S. Craig Zoller and his final and most recent film, which is Ran Across Concrete, which has had the most divisive opinions between all three of us, to the point where I was I was quite fond of it, I quite enjoyed it. It's my least favourite of his three. But I quite enjoyed it. Boone, you were a middleman until earlier today. Yeah. And Becca, you were just like, no. I hated it from the start. Yeah. This is just a poser. <laughs> I hated it when it was cool. Yeah. So Mel Gibson stars as um as Richmond, who has been who is like sort of all beat detective who's been detectiving for years in um in Bulwark. Like a sort of I think it's a, I think it's sort of a section off from New York and him and his um, partner, his newest partner, Anthony or Tony, I told you, played by Vince Vaughn. Uh, they do a drug, they they bust a drug dealer on a fire escape and use a little bit too much force, and by that means Vince uh, Mel Gibson literally pushes his face into like a fire escape grill, which I think breaks his nose and it gets filmed. So they get suspended for six weeks without pay, which leads to Mel Gibson finding a guy who knows about something going down. It's never they never get specified what it is until they see it go down, which ends up being a bank robbery. But they their thoughts was drug dealers aren't going to need this money. We should take this for ourselves because Richmond's Mel Gibson's character Richmond has sort of been under the impression of he's been due something a long time, and because even though and because of his sort of British nature, he's never really gotten far in his career, and. Let's, let's be real here with them casting Mel Gibson in this as sort of a like the reason they're getting well, you're missing a very main key point here which is they're both very very racist I was just about to get to that yes. point I was just about to get to that point where sort of well I, I wouldn't say they're very racist I would say they're definitely like they're, they're living off not living off they've they definitely got that character trait of um, oh they're old fashioned cops and what they thought was fine a couple like years ago when they were younger is it's like the times have changed obviously and obviously it's not acceptable now but they are still like trying to understand why is it not acceptable now is that I would say that's an accurate way to describe them right. because in the in there was a that scene where he's talking to his uh, uh, the police chief Don Johnson yeah and Dude, let's be real he was literally that was such a Miami Vice throwback yeah plus if you get to the end of the credits where they have like the sort of freeze frame of everyone and it says Vince Vaughn is Tony and then Mel Gibson is Richmond it has the like, sort of freeze frames of them talking and it has the the most Miami Vice soundtrack-esque fucking end credits music which I have been humming that all weekend like say you can say what you want about the film but that song kicks ass <laughs> Shotgun Safari is amazing which he wrote for the film and it was named after the video game that um, yeah. Henry and his little brother play who's like sort of the subplot running parallel with Ridgeman's plot. Jeff Herriot and S. Craig Zala did the music, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, no. A big thing that they try and make a point of in this film is with 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 Ridgeman's character specifically, and it's like his, his, his wife, who has MS. Yeah, I can just it's, see... It's when his wife literally says, I was a racist before we moved here, and you're like... What? And they, they, well, they act like their daughter got insulted by something serious, and then they said that she'd been insulted five times in the last like three years, but this time it was like she got a, a soda thrown. Yeah, her. which sucks because then you're all sticky. Yeah, and then you got washed. Like, it, 
It's just nothing makes sense. Mm. So I remember after we all watched it first of all that I was I was the one that was kind of more on the fence of like this wasn't terrible, but I was kind of disappointed by it. Considering Zelda's other works. And like I've as we've said before, and I'm not going to reiterate again, I do love both of his other films. I thought they were fantastic. I really, really enjoyed them. And I was kind of expecting a bit more from this. Um, well, you, me specifically, were like, do you want to go see a, like, because we were playing as, like, we thought we were going to have, like, ridiculous Brawl of the sequences yeah. because we were like, Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. I remember you told me that he had a new film coming out and you told me the name of it. Yeah, And then, and you, then I, when I was working in... in, in my, the cinema that I used to work yeah. in I saw the poster and I told you about it I was like oh we're showing it at my cinema we were like yeah we're getting all excited and then we found it later they didn't actually show it it was just it was a, just, oh, yeah, just one of those we're just going to advertise yeah it. we're just going to advertise we're not actually going to show it at your cinema Yeah. and then I remember being when you told when we were sitting down to watch this film I was very excited I was very excited and then to be fair I think, I think one of the givers for us of what we were expecting it to be should have been the runtime. I feel like films of that Sort of yeah. s like when when is your standard cop film two hours and forty minutes long when it's sort of more, mainly more action focused and less focused on the characters. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with this with the second viewing as well because I knew it I went in knowing what the sort of plot beats were, and kind of more what I was expecting to go in watching it. I I enjoyed it a lot more the second time. And one thing I did notice was that a lot of the stuff we weren't picking up because it was a sort of group viewing it was a group viewing where specifically it was just getting lambasted while it was on the screen yeah made it a lot more reasonable like I know there was a specific point where it got brought up when they were getting their disguises on everyone was kind of like why are they doing this and then it was kind of the realisation of this was because they were when they got the disguise on they were about to go into that parking lot and sort of accost them for what they thought was a basic drug deal so they wouldn't get recognised after it happened until they realised they were actually because Richmond says that he's very confused as to why the hell are they doing a drug deal here it's very open this is a bad idea and then they immediately come up with the van to go to the bank and they're kind of like okay right keep following let's see where they're going with this and it would kind of make more sense if they were just about to go jump out the van and then cost the deal to get the money then it makes a bit more sense mm. yeah um, but again it kind of gives you more of like sort of Gibson's character where he just says like like he's he's very old fashioned and he's he is. He's racist. He's a, he's a he's a bit homophobic to the point where he says um, to Anthony when he's putting his um because he put basically like Richmond literally puts a cap and sunglasses on and then Anthony starts doing his hair bleaching it doesn't he, he starts bleaching his hair, his hair. well blonde hairspray he's putting like white stuff on it like blonde hairspray and then this is how it works by the way can't really just paint over dark hair yeah about like cake and most of it on there it looks really mm. thick. Yeah. yeah, and then um, like he specifically says to Richmond, it's like, it's like it was better than your your, and I quotation marks your gay hair shit, <laughs> and it well like it does kind of paint the picture. I know it's like he's not a good like I, I think a big struggle for hurdle for people overcoming when they go into this film is to how much they can, not even get behind because for Richmond it doesn't even work out for him in the end. It's sort of just if you can follow stories with sort of deplorable main characters and in terms of films that I've watched Richmond's not the worst character where I've watched a film that's been he's been the main sort of focus I mean I, I get that but for me he just didn't have a character I feel like a lot of it more came I think it came again I feel like he, his character came across a lot more in the sort of second viewing where it's kind of 
But but you shouldn't need a second viewing to properly understand a character. It should be like on the second viewing, you notice like tiny little details and be like, oh, that's really smart how they like planted that in. Like, you know, when you watch Shaun of the Dead and he's got his plan for later on. Yeah. Like what we're gonna do, and then you realize that all the drinks that Ed says earlier on are the what their plan is later on. Like that that sort of details is what you should realize not be like oh he's got a character he's, now he's yeah. doing it because he likes his girlfriend like you should get that from the first yeah. view well the the thing i got from the first view was that he is sort of he's tired uh, i feel like that's a bad excuse for someone doing anything about it is they're tired but <clears throat> i'm sorry i was racist mom i was really tired yeah. that day well the thing is is that the back of the box the the synopsis on the back of the box uh-huh. uh describes describes both the characters as embittered Embittered. Yes. There was a better word to look for because, I mean, the, the chief was Regiment's old partner mm. who's leagues and leagues ahead of him now. Yeah. And he's still doing the same thing, sort of sitting on his record and apparently shit pay. Mm. Um, and the thing with Regiment is he's kind of, he's just, he's sort of fed up. And I think his, his more frustration with the situation that he's in is causing him to be more violent towards people. That he's sort of I, the drug dealer that he basically breaks the nose of on that fire escape, mm. to the point where the chief even says, "You were never this rough when we were going out on there." And one thing the chief does say is that he does get results, and I think that's the main reason why he's not sort of trying to screw over. It. When he's trying to get the money, he's not trying to screw over anyone in particular. He just wants to get the money so he can get his family out of the neighborhood, and he wants to sort of provide for them. And he does feel that sort of guilt of not being able to provide for his wife because he's been suspended because he was a bit forceful yeah. let's say bit. a bit yeah no, a bit, a bit. Ah. yeah and I think Henry who is would you say Henry's one of the other leads Henry's Henry's the character that ends up on the house and is yeah. the only, is the only see, see that's the thing is that like there's like two different narratives and they work well. You can do them really well and intertwine them. Yeah. But there's like the guys that end up on the heist and like the really racist cops. And they've got two narratives and they're supposed to like sort of intertwine and then like collide at the end. But there's like you see the guys from the heist, you see them kind of get involved and then they disappear for like 30 to 40 minutes. And by the time they come back in, you go, who are they again? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like I, I, I knew it was them when they were going in because I, 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 I knew it was like Henry and Biscuit. Um, but like I feel with them, it's less their stories that are twenty. It's less. It's more that their stories are running parallel to each other, and the idea is that they're both in this shit situation that they're both trying to get out of, in which it's Henry's trying to get his brother and his mum, his mum is prostituting herself at the start of the movie. He wants to get them out of that neighborhood to get a better life for them. Well, he's been away in prison, which you find out at the end of the film was because he put, because he was only he was like he was he, was, he said slinging dope, so he was selling weed. He was selling like weed before he went to jail, and the main reason he got put in jail was because he crippled, he he hospitalized the person that crippled his um brother, which you see the start is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a lot more noble of him not having any income to give for his family than Richmond's. I'm gonna. <laughs> break a Mexican drug dealer's nose and be very derogatory towards him. Um, and 
and it's like they sort of run parallel to each other as opposed to sort of intertwined and then you get to the end of the film where Richmond both Richmond and Henry are in their respective cars and the, the point he was trying to make was a bit I thought it was really on the nose where they both just listen to the same radio song and the cars like look guys they're the same person they, they run parallel, but they can still cut back to each other. Like, yeah. Is what I'm saying. Like, you know, just because the heist guys have a day off doesn't mean that you can just ignore them. Yeah. For, like, your runtime. Because you need to keep reminding of your audience. Remember these people. Remember these people. Even if it's just, like, off-handed. Yeah. Like, you can't just ignore your characters for 30 minutes, bring them back in and expect people to be, like, still care for them. Or yeah. remember it and be engaged especially if it's got a runtime this long yeah the film, I think that's one thing that that is one beef I do actually have with the film in which I think the film is too long I think it could be cut down a lot of points yeah. <coughs> um, like, the, like the, the, the scenes where it's just like it's Brett or Anthony and they're just like driving in their car or even isn't there one with Henry as well where they're just in their car driving along and nothing is happening they're no, just it's, driving it's, and there's music playing it's, on the there, radio there's a part near the end of the film where Henry and Biscuit are sort of discussing their situation when they're both in the van after the heist yeah sort of what's going to go on what's going to happen with them I know that but I don't mean that part so I think there's one specifically with Anthony where he's just driving by himself and then not talking and he's just driving along the road I think you're making this up <laughs> I, I don't swear there was a, a I don't like remember that, that at all um no, there's a part of the, start of the film where he's sort of like he's seen that prostitute that he apparently knew in school and then he's driving back to his, to his mum's but I don't think it shows him driving away I think it is just he's back at his mum's house um, mm-hmm. and I will say this, this I, that is one of my other beefs as well is that I feel like Henry's well you touched on it as well Becca, where Henry's sort of substory is sort of underdeveloped to <coughs> compared to Richmond and Anthony's yeah. and I feel like Anthony as a character I thought he was played really well by Vince Vaughn in which like Richmond's more is a lot more better than he is just because he's more of a, like he's had a longer time on the force and the one thing I did like was their sort of minor interactions where they're just talking about what they're going to get to eat or like I what yeah like why am I watching this mm, that was it it was a scene where where Brett and Anthony were in the car and the focus was on Anthony eating a sandwich oh, and then we were like yeah. yeah, and it was. I feel like that scene could have been. You could. You can argue and be like, oh, no, it's, the, it's character like, development. It adds like you know they got a friendship and stuff like that. But it's like you, you don't really need to do that. You've also got to look at like other examples where it's like movies where there's two characters. In examples like Cops and stuff like that on Stakeouts, Lethal Weapon, another film that Mogensen's been in. They don't have any of that in the film, but you already know they're getting on because it's sort of like they, they first it, you know in this film it's going to be that Anthony and Brett have been working together for a while in Lethal Weapon it's, they, they start working together in the movie and you see their relationship progress <laughs> and there's no scene of them just eating in a car it's, it's just the progression of the plot is constant in Lethal Weapon 1 but you can see that they're through them talking to each other in relation to the plot and the activities that they do in the film that their friendship but now they get a strong bond and they progress in the film and then the film gets to the conclusion and then that's how the, that's I mean that's the reason why there's the, the lethal weapon franchise to begin with right <clears throat> but I feel at that point isn't supposed to show up their camaraderie in which they're eating in a car together I think the main point was to show that they've been there for hours to the point where the audio was turned up way loud for that to sort of just show that the heat that Rhythm's just 
He's frustrated, and the only thing that he can hear right in his ear is Anthony just munching on the sandwich for ages to the point where he's just like, can you just... Like, literally makes him take a minute. He's like, this is unbearable. He's like, I'm enjoying the aftertaste. He's like, "Some, well, I'm not. And it's kind of like the sort of... I guess... Well, okay, let's take the Lethal Weapon as an example. I say Lethal Weapon, from what I've seen of it, I've not seen... I've seen clips. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a full Lethal Weapon movie where they're kind of high... They're a bit lot faster paced than this, I imagine. Yeah. They're actually oh, packed. Yeah, this, this is definitely a slow burner. I feel like this was meant to sort of... Not completely to a realistic degree, but sort of get more to the point of what a stakeout would actually be like of just long bouts of waiting, waiting, waiting for something to happen. Doesn't make for entertaining viewing. I think they should have cut down a lot of it, but I think it's sort of trying to get the point that they were trying to get this done. Um, I think this to do with the pacing. If it was sort of, you can have those scenes where it's slowing down and it's just people talking, but it needs to be earned. Yeah. And you need to feel like, okay, this is the time when we can breathe and relax. So the film that like I compare it to is Mad Max Fury Road. Because it's similar length, it's sort of not similar themes, but it's <coughs> sort of that, you know, they they have a goal, their goal changes like just before the third act becomes a completely different goal. Yeah. People get banded together, there's lots of scenes of people sitting in cars. And like, you know, Roughly about halfway through the film, you get to the point when they're sort of stuck and they're just in the car and it's like the girls and nuts in the back and they're just sort of gently talking and you don't feel, oh, I don't want to listen to this. You're because like, it's, oh my God. it's nice. It's a breather. You get to relax with yeah. these characters. But these yeah. characters <clears throat> have earned nothing to relax. They've just, like, assaulted a man who did not deserve it, got fired, bitched about getting fired and then went let's go steal money from drug dealers who are also just mm-hmm. living their life and done nothing wrong with it arguably in a legal life but still done nothing to them like there's nothing about the characters or the plot that makes me think yes I agree with what you're doing he's very opposite to the norm I've noticed this about Zala well, so, so like great example there where it's like most films are like fast paced you know keep going keep going keep going keep going then they have a breather yeah, Zala seems to be very opposite. I've noticed that, and then just thinking now, think about Bone Tomahawk, Brawl, and now this one. It's very slow paced, and then big massive action moment, and then slow paced the film ends. Or a genre twist. If you're going for Bone Tomahawk, where it just goes from western to straight up camel film, yeah, slash horror movie. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I've, so, I've I feel like that's something I've definitely noticed about his films, and it's very very like noticeable in this one well I think it's especially now seems as like you know normally the cops in these sort of films if you're going by a standard cop they're like sort of very honourable people they're like a they're like a shining example of the badge so to speak whereas like these people are not I feel like Anthony kind of is more going along for the ride more that just because Ridgeman is his partner and he feels sort of obliged to do it um, more than because he says, I gave you my word. He's like, you can back out. It's fine. He's like, no, I gave you my word. I'll do it. And Anthony's kind of more doing it because he kind of wants to sort of get everything settled for his when. Because the, the other thing with Anthony is that they try and make it so that he's sort of seen as more passive. Mm-hmm. And one, one thing they make a point of when he's talking to the chief is that the guy that they arrested was sort of, he was selling drugs to, I think, school kids. And, and I think it was like meth, not like sort of like, it was like hard drugs. 
to sort of kind of, I guess, throw the moral ambiguity of whether or not he should should have, as they put, thrown enough, kept thrown too much cast iron at him. So, and I think it's kind of trying to make the point of like. Hmm. I think it is, but I think that at the end of the day, it's sort of. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I feel like it didn't need. Well, it did. It did need to do it, but I felt like well, it, it, I felt like Zaller maybe maybe wrote it a bit too much harshly, too a bit too harshly on Brett because I felt like I felt like he was sort of doing it for no reason at some points. Just to, he was just doing it to be spiteful instead of like you know how you have like other films that do sort of similar thing where it's like oh yeah you know oh maybe it's like oh the guy killed the villain right because he was doing something bad and but then he was a cop and so, you know do you know what he's I mean doing it for the greater good of yeah that. that's the right word. whereas like the guy was literally on the floor doing nothing he was unarmed he yeah he was punched. unarmed he surrendered he realised that he had been caught like why it, it's the difference between these cop really assaulted this man and we don't know if it was good versus Rorschach killing every criminal in Watchmen but you stand behind him because he's a good character and a well rounded character and he murders people and he like beats everyone and he talks to no one and is really lonely but you like understand where he's coming from because there's this sort of built in reason as to why he acts this way there's yeah. no built in reason for them except for oops maybe they're racist we don't know and like that that's what gets me is that they can be characters and stuff but if there's no good reason behind their actions or motivations they don't feel like characters mm. I would agree with that yeah that's fair um one question that you don't have to answer but came up when i was trying to describe this film to other friends who study film was like usually when you make films is to add something to the world or to like have a meaning behind it and it's like what does dragged across concrete add to the world because i can find stuff for like bone tomahawk and brawl like bone tomahawk is like the mix of genres and like you know what happens if you take a western and a horror and just sort of make them have a baby and it's like experimentation mm. and brawl is like an experimentation but also a study of a certain type of character a certain type of like stereotypical man but if you flip him on his head and it's quite an interesting character study drag across concrete what do you think it does <coughs> i think drag across concrete is kind of I was thinking this, even to the point where, like, I always think of the end credit scene as well, where it's kind of, you get the ridiculous theme song of the film, Chocolate Spire, and you get the sort of free swing. I feel like it's like a sort of parody of your of your standard, like, cop dramas, where it's like, they try to go for a slightly more, I don't want to say realistic, I feel like realistic's the wrong word here, but you do get cops that would sort of abuse their power or sort of be embittered. And I feel like, I feel like it came from a place of, like, seeing all these horrible, horrible, horrible shit that happens in the states with cops abusing their power and doing something very terrible and it's saying let's take a focus on these guys where they haven't done something particularly they've they've done something that's not great and kind of throw them in this sort of situation where they just slowly plummet further and further until they're literally everything's fired out of control and any form of morality that they had was completely gone when Richmond shoots that woman who shoots um, 
Anthony at the end of the film. I mean, in that instance, that is a fair assault of, upon a person because she is an armed citizen uh-huh. and she just shot another cop. They are suspended, but they're still cops. Yeah. Like, out of everything, that's the one time there should have been technical police brutality because, yeah. like, if assault an officer. she would shoot him as well. Mm-hmm. It's nothing new, though, is it? Yeah, I mean... Like, th- these are things that I've I've seen before. Well, well, I've, I've seen where it's like, you know, a, a rotten egg cop trying to do something. Which which film? I can't I I cannot think of it on the top of my head, but I know that I've definitely seen something similar to that. Well I kinda of feel like Dragon Scorpio again, like parody was wrong, but I feel like it's more a subversion where it's kind of instead of it being the cop that gets out good and because you do see films about dirty cops or like cops that are they kind of they go and bust a drug deal and take them on and then they go live a better life. Hear me out. A better film about a racist cop who learns his ways are wrong and gets a good character arc, just go watch Three Bubbles. I thought you were going to say Three Bubbles. Three Bubbles yeah. is superb. Officer Dixon has one of the best character arcs yeah. in cinema, I feel, yeah. completely. I think he's amazing. has the award-winning acting character arc. Also, yeah. in regards to your comment about the scene in which um, Brett shoots the woman, you know, the, the hostage. Yeah. I'm pretty sure something similar to that has been done before as well. Or so, so you're just thinking heat where the, the the bank robbers get one of the people on their side. No, 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 no. Um, I was thinking more. It's not exactly like how it happened, how that happened, but it's like you know, oh, someone who is innocent suddenly turning against. Well, they make a point that like the sort of robbers kind of made the point of like, look, we know where you live, we can get your family, which is kind of their fuel yeah. to her yeah to do it um I'm pretty sure there's actually a film called Stockholm Syndrome or something along those lines or maybe you're just thinking Stockholm Syndrome in general I right? think that uh, yeah but there I believe there is a film about that and also in regards to it being oh a character that has been put into a horrible situation and is desperate uh, um, to protect uh, their family and they have to work with the villains I'm pretty sure there's quite a few films in there. Wasn't there there's, one there's there's like Contraband and Mark Wahlberg was in it or something like that? I don't know, but no, I mean, there's a lot of that, but I meant more sort of, what I, what I picked up on, this is a version of the, expect, of the expectation where it's kind of, it's Henry that gets away free, and Henry's kind of, he's the one that's not done any wrong with this, hence why, you know, he, the only reason he went to prison was because he wanted to defend his brother yeah. after his brother got crippled. And the, all he wanted to do was make money so they could have a better life. Whereas like, Anthony's kind of like, Whereas, like, Richmond's kind of, I want to get out of this poverty-stricken neighbourhood because my daughter's been assaulted. She's had juice thrown over her. Um, yeah, uh, I just, I wanted to learn more about everyone who wasn't the main two leads in this song. Yeah, that's fair. Because they all had, sort of, more, not more interesting backstories, but sort of, like, stories and lives that we've not really ever seen before or haven't been explored before. The start of the film was very interesting. I really like the introduction of Henry and him just going into his house. His well, sorry, no, his mum's apartment. And bashing and, someone's skull and who was well, thre- well threatening. Yeah, but I thought that was much more interesting. And then, as uh, Becca put out, pointed out earlier, there's that just long period of after that scene, you see nothing of them until for a good twenty odd minutes later, and it's a tiny scene between him and Biscuit. Was it? Yeah, Michael, Biscuit. Michael J. White. Yeah, Mike Dynamite. And then yeah, there's <laughs> there's nothing until. 
the point when Anthony and Brett are outside the bank and you see them two in the van in... in that, that's not the first time you see them no. after the start of the film. Oh, no, I know that. They, they've got that little meeting bit, uh-huh. isn't it? Like like a yeah. tiny little moment, like a couple of minutes. And then it's back to the two main main characters of yeah. Brett and Anthony. And then you yeah. don't see them again until they're in the van. And Are they... They're in white face, aren't they? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things that I did like with the film was um, when you get the sort of disparate scenes of each individual sort of robber getting ready for the heist, and you're kind of like, "What the hell are they doing?" Like the bit where they just go into the the, the shops or rob the drug dealers. Yeah, I didn't realize they were different people. Yeah, neither did I. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> they're called black gloves and grey gloves. I don't know if you're supposed. To and their voices are very similar, and they're also dressed the exact same, and you never see their faces. I think that's the that's the point. Yeah. It's like they're just they're literally just there to invent the plot. The only one that you see is Thomas uh, Creshman. Yeah. Well, I think the point is that what's not the point the thing with them is that they're obviously very surgical with how they operate mm. to the point where it's like you need to do this you have 20 seconds to do this and then as soon as there's any chance of them getting caught they shoot any witness any whatsoever like the guy in the shop and then they use that to pay for the van for the robbery they literally go rob places yeah. to pay for the van so that wouldn't make sense to me though. that doesn't make sense to me why they did why they sh- they did that okay because if you think about it they're risking this is all building up to the big bank job isn't it mm-hmm. but it all is takes that not pl- quite risky but I mean, how else are you supposed to pay for the van? Well, I suppose, but then they have, then they have the. Wasn't Udo Kier their financer or something like no, that? No, Udo Kier just knew about stuff going on. He used to be a sort of contact. Oh right, yeah, he and was. And the reason the reason yeah. Richmond got information was coming because he busted his son out of a p- yeah, potential bad situation. Yeah, because Brett went to go see him, didn't he? Yeah, and he was in like this. Because that's how office. Richmond got the lead, and he never got told specifically what was going down because he didn't know what was going yeah. down. He just knew that. Well, yeah. again, they thought drug deal, jump the dealers, get the money, not uh. Yeah. Jump the bank robbers after they've massacred a bank. Oh, that was a. <laughs> I felt really horrific. Like that, I, I really liked that. Part. I thought it was very funny. I don't think it's funny. I thought, I thought it thought, was horrific. I thought it was very funny because they basically just got uh, Jennifer Carpenter, Carpenter as sort of like a, <laughs> basically sort of kind of like the going back to Lethal Weapon, the Murtaugh joke of oh I thought I got one more day, one more week until I retire. That sort of like, oh, what are you even? Where are you going? Because she was like all pregnant or something like that, wasn't she? You, you should have watched the movie, man. (laughs) She she didn't want to leave her baby because she probably had postpartum depression. Oh right, yeah, no, I, yeah, I remember. You gotta work because you make more baby. I'm getting confused between brawl because the the problem is is that this is what I this is the problem when you cast the same. Um, actors I'm, in your movie no, I get confused no you have that problem well, t- never that's why I said American I never watched Horror Story then because yeah, you, you're going to get really confused well, I'm not interested in that three. so I wouldn't want to watch it like that bit was generally the only bit that I felt had a genuine character and even like a tiny little arc and I was like really captivated by that bit I think I was lying on the floor before then yeah. and this bit came up and I sat up and was quite interested and then it was over and I watched for like five minutes more and I was like oh it's back to the boring bit and I was, I was reeling again. I was reeling at what happened to her. I was I was kind of horrified at that. Because yeah. I was kind of like, oh, for God's sake. And then that kind of leaves the whole quandary of like Anthony's furious at um, Richmond. And I think uh, one thing I've noticed Richmond is that Richmond is also very cold when it comes to his job where he talks about everything in percentages. Yeah. Where it's kind of... It took me a while to figure out that's what he was doing. I thought they were just like naming numbers. Yeah. Like you're trying to tell them he's like 22. And Twi- he's like, What? And it's like, um, he's about to say something about, um, he's, it's just like, he's like, you think the situation would have been different if we went in? 50%. And it's just, 
And then he's about to say something else and Anthony's like, don't give me a, don't give me a fucking percentage. And it's kind of... The cut version of don't tell me the odds. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but like, it's the thing with... with um, which was that he always tries to act like he's in control of the situation. The point where Anthony even says, don't try to fucking outsmart me, I'm smarter yeah. than you. To the point where then Anthony's girlfriend says that to him. Um, and that, then, like, but, that sort of stuff's really cute though. Like when someone says something and then later on you realise they got it from like a parent or a partner. Yeah. And this is why I like Anthony because I feel like Anthony, I don't feel like, I feel like Richmond's more the one that's sort of racist. Yeah, he's, he's sort of spearheading everything to the point where Anthony was like, what the hell are we doing here? And he's like, didn't want to do it. He literally only did it because yeah. he felt like he was kind of in the situation he was in debt to Richmond because the two of them were partners. Which I suppose is a good way of looking also subverting the idea of partners that we're in it together. He's like, he, you can tell he doesn't want to be there. He only does it because he feels like he's indebted to him as opposed to anything else. And then you have Richmond sort of end where he's still trying to control the situation where he's pointing the gun at Henry in the car and he says, I'm not trying to hurt... I don't want to hurt anyone. I'm just trying to avoid temptation. And he says it again and again and again. And then he gets shot. Because... Yeah. He was trying. He was tempting himself, because he was like, if that obviously if that footage gets out there, he's ruined. But Henry constantly seemed like he was a man of his word, and made a point that he was a man of his word. He was never going to send that. Um, to the point where Henry even feels that sort of sympathy towards Henry's family, Richmond's family, sorry, and then sends sends the gold to the end of them so they can at least get a better yeah, life for himself. Like, after he got a better life for himself, which I which I span. Like getting your own house and your own everything, and then going, oh, then I'll send him the gold. Yeah, well, sort myself up. He tried to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck his family. They don't get around to it. Yeah, they can take their time. Yeah. Well, I would have been suspicious about that. Like, if I was, because. Uh, well, he makes the point to his wife where it's like, I can get the money, but we're never going to talk about it. No, I don't mean that. I meant like the fact that I'll at the end of the, the film, Henry's in this big, massive house, and he's like, he's supporting his mom and he's supporting his younger brother. And it's like, would that not be suspicious? Wouldn't like the police investigate that? This is why they make a point of him mentioning his broker specifically that he has. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, have we got anything else to say? Any other points you want to bring up? No, should we just do like a little roundup of like how final opinions are like? Yeah. That feels I feel... Drag Us Concrete, again, despite the first viewing second movie, I enjoyed it a lot more. I feel like it's got a lot more going under the hood than what I initially seen, especially at a movie night where it was more sort of, not background viewing, but it was a, there was a lot less of a focus on the film, more sort of a thing. Whereas I feel like if you take the film as a whole, there's a lot more going on underneath the surface than is initial. And would not I would recommend for people, if you... This is more for people if they were really, really want to see more stuff after Brawl and Bone Tomahawk. Otherwise, unless you're really into it, maybe give it a miss. But I personally enjoyed the film. Um, I, I won't say it's like one of the worst films ever made or even close to it. But for me personally, it's one of the worst films I've ever watched. <laughs> because I just, I didn't like this particular filmmaking. I like this filmmaking on the other two. I still have the kind of conspiracy theory that he just put his name on this one <laughs> because the other two were pretty decent kind of good and this one was just horrendous um, I don't know if it was like he was trying a different style or what happened but like cannot stand this one 
the general filmmaking and the fact there's like very little characters for the characters and it's just about people that I don't particularly like to film my media with. Like I've seen enough films in that about uh, white powerful racist men and I don't particularly need to see any more personally. That's fair, bro. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I, I personally think it's like the Return of the Jedi of this trilogy. It's the weakest of the three. It's alright. It's watchable. Um, highlight is definitely the, the the from the bank scene onwards. Other than that, it's like, you know, watch Lethal Weapon. Cannot back up that last comment. Yeah. Yeah, can I? Right, so... Now that we're at the end of the, the Zelda trilogy, how would you... Wh- where's, what's your ranking? Obviously, obviously, Dracos Concrete isn't in the ranking for you. There you go. Um, Concrete is like below every other film I've ever seen, including the really weird films I get shown in my all my film classes. Um, I don't know. I'd probably put Bone and Brawl on like the same tier, maybe, okay. because I really liked Vince Vaughn and his character in Brawl. But then I really liked all the cannibalistic horror stuff in Bone Tomahawk. That that's 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 what really gets me going with films. Yeah. I really like my horror films. Yeah, your horrors and your chicories. <laughs> <laughs> my horrors and my chicories, and then Vince Vaughn just being bald in prison. Yeah. Okay, bro. Uh, Brawl's the weakest. No, Brawl's the weakest. What was I say? <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, what are you going with this? Dragged is, dragged is the weakest. Um, it's it's too long. Um, it's really, really slow burning to leading to a conclusion that's sort of bittersweet. Not in terms of story, in terms of like entertainment value. Um, for me personally. Um, and then, yeah, I would agree that Brawl and Bone are tied. Okay. Uh, they both have their own strengths. They both have their own weaknesses. Um, I would say probably the most entertaining one for me was mostly Brawl. Fair one. Um, well, I would say for me, third was, third was Drive. Shocker, I know, right? Um, and then second would be, oh man, Ooh. oh man. This is why I put them on a, the similar vein. <sighs> I think for me personally, I think I have to give it. I think I have to give second to to Brawl. As much as I love Bradley Thomas in that movie, yeah. Um, which I I think that is the best job Vince Vaughn has ever done acting. Period. Um, I would agree with that statement. Right? Yeah. Well, to the point where it's like even even in just his little speeches, like the bit from because I've seen it like four times because I watched it, I watched it with you, I watched it with Adam, and then I've seen it three times already, and I watched it again for the podcast, and it's just that bit like after all the ridiculous sort of over the top violence where he kind of becomes a person that he doesn't want to be, and then he's sort of talking to his daughter at the end, and he's just breaking up. And just because he knows what's gonna happen, and it's just that that gets me a lot, and that's a I feel like that's a really good performance from mm-hmm. from Vince, and I just I love the sort of literal descent into hell that he takes from because he starts at rock bottom and he's like unemployment, and then then nice house, prison, worst prison, and then block ninety nine, which is just literally a dark hellhole, yeah. and then obviously bone tomahawk, which. And again, I think this is the strength of Zeller, is Zeller's character, well, maybe not drags, but Zeller's characters, <laughs> especially 
like I just love the camaraderie between Franklin, Chicory, and um, God, what's his name? Uh, Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox with his horse saucy. <laughs> um, I thought that was like kind of like the driving force of the film, and I just loved it. And and again, I love the subversion of horror to the point where like it is the it is the first time in the longest time where I've seen like a scene which literally made me go. Oh, like actually, hand between hands over my face, covered in like this is nasty. Um, and it was, it was, I was very pleasantly surprised. I have a question before we finish. Yes. For you specifically, but you, you're free to answer as well, Sam. Yeah. Um, in regards to Dragged being his Zaller's most, most latest film. If you was to release another one, would you be interested in watching it, or are you just sort of like done? I'd watch. I'd well, I know it. you'd watch. That was a. I would read the synopsis first, mm-hmm. and then decide. I would go. I think. I. Th- I think really the answers for all three of us is probably going to be what we thought of this film. Like Becca's sort of like suspicious. It's always going to be on edge. I'm going to be sort of like I'll watch it, but I'm not going to expect much. And you're definitely like, yes, I'll go watch it. I'll go watch it. Yeah. I, I like Zeller. I think he's very interesting with the stuff that he does. And again, even though I know Drag wasn't everyone's cup of tea, I do kind of appreciate the sort of different lens that he was trying to go for, even though it didn't all pan out in the way he probably wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did see during the sort of behind the scenes is that his producer literally doesn't seem to be able to say no to him. <laughs> Which could lead ah. to a... So he's been George Lucas. So my metaphor for the films was actually quite accurate mm. then. <laughs> I should have said that Drag was the prequels of his trilogy. Um, yeah, I should have. <laughs> or more specifically, Phantom Menace. Oh no, yeah, no, Phantom Menace. He, d- he does seem like some, especially with... with well, the other thing with, with his films was that um, Brawl was... Brawl was written before... Brawl was the first film he'd written and apparently the script, screenplay had been floating around for ages and then he wrote Bone Tomahawk and then directed Bone Tomahawk and he was like well nobody's directed Brawl I'll do it and then just got on with it mm. and hell they, even the main reason why he got Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn together is because Vince Vaughn is friends with Mel Gibson in real life Yeah. well they they, they did the uh, Vince Vaughn was in the Mel Gibson film um, Hackshaw Ridge Hacksaw Ridge Hacksaw Ridge yeah sorry yeah. Hackshaw. Hackshaw. Hacksaw, Hackshaw, same thing. That sounds like a rickshaw with someone's just using like DIY tools to run it instead. Yeah. They, uh, that was, I think that was the biggest shock of that movie when I watched that film that he directed it because the film starts and it doesn't say no. credits. It was like a sort of M. Night Shyamalan. It's not a twist having the director revealed. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it was. It, uh, no. There was a few films that did that. What well, didn't. Uh, uh, Split do that no where it was like it didn't say that he directed it it no. was only no After it, Earth did that After Earth did that yeah but let's let's not talk about After Earth also it, a Devil did that as well I believe you know the film that's set in the elevator yeah that film's up I like that film as well I actually thought it was very entertaining I went to see it twice I did not I've seen enough of that film and I was just like no to be honest though you should be thankful for that film why? Because if that film didn't do well, we most likely wouldn't have been able to watch Upgrade. Because the guy in that 
in Devil is the same guy who's in Upgrade. I can't remember his actor's name. He's done other films. In I know Devil. he's done other films. He was, in, he was no, in the invitation. He went from Devil to Upgrade, and that was it. No, he went. Yeah. From, he went from Devil, then he went to Prometheus. So I don't think if he did, if he didn't do Devil, I don't think he would have been in Prometheus, which means he most likely in his career would. I don't think that. I don't think that's fair. You to never say. know. That's not how the movie. Is. Well, you never know. You never know. Anyway, Zoller's done. Yeah, thank God. So, Zoller is done. So, Becca. Yes. Have you decided who you want to do the next crop corn profile on? I have. Would you like to share with us? Because I don't know who it is. Do you know who it is? He doesn't. I decided it wasn't illegal. Ooh. I want to do Frank Oz. Who is Frank Oz? He, well, he voiced Yoda. But okay. He directed many films like the Dark Crystal film and Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> oh boy. In the Stepford Wives. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Frank Oz. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be doing Frank Oz next. And do we know do we know what we'll be starting with? The Dark Crystal. Is that his first film? Yeah. Sweet. He like, co directed it with Jim Henson, but Well, the one from the eighties. The one from the eighties. Oh wow. It's on Netflix. I have it on Blu-ray. Oh yes. I almost bought it on Blu-ray today, but they only had it on 4K or nothing. And I'm like, what? <sighs> they were doing a deal on FOF and it was like, but it, it was literally three pound with anything. I've never seen someone disappointed the more Becca looked disappointed as we left FOP today. She bought all her stuff. Transaction finished. I pointed out there was a Blu-ray of Cats the Musical, and she went oh and left the shop. <laughs> And then, I, and then as we were walking past the entrance that we came, that we went in originally, so the entrance next to the exit, where the tills are, right, we go that way, towards CEX, she walked into the shop again. No, I tried to walk into the shop again because you made a joke about me walking into the shop again, so I was like, I have to look this out. <laughs> Has to be done. Yeah. Right, anyway, thank you everyone for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Oh, oh, oh.